The Barbecue Central Radio Show will air live at 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. So to get that perfect barbecue, you use wood. Are you sure it's safe? Whatever. We put the lighter fluid on, strike the match, and... Should we call the fire department? That might be a good idea. All right, good evening and welcome to the Hump Day Barbecue Show, better known as Barbecue Central. Happy to have you aboard here with me. Uh, it's a show that talks about all things important in the world of barbecue and grilling. We broadcast live from the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame city of Cleveland, Ohio, rapidly becoming known as the barbecue capital of the North Coast. I'm your program host, Greg Rempe. Happy to have you aboard here, as I said, on your Hump Day uh, you want to jump in on the show tonight, more than welcome to do it, 877-448-0433. You can also email the show if you want to, greg at com. Lots of great things going on tonight. We're going to change it up just a little bit in regards to typical Sunday format. We usually have Dr. Barbecue Ray Lampy running right off in the first interview segment. However, uh, because of timing issues or you know the ability to meet time we are going to head immediately he'll he'll be second is basically what i'm just trying to say here so in about uh you know half hour from now or so uh dr barbecue ray lampy will be joining us and uh, then uh we will you know take that all the way up but uh joining me now uh, a guy who i have actually been looking forward to talking barbecue with for some time he's probably not aware of it but that's all right. I'll tell him here in just a second. Uh, Stuart Powell from Cook Shack joining me here on the show. Stuart, how are you, buddy? Hey, Greg. I'm doing great. Good to be on the show. Yeah, happy to have you here, Stuart. And I guess, you know, I'm, I'm remiss in the fact that you actually haven't been on one or seven times at least uh, since the inception of the show. But I'm uh, more than happy to have you on now and glad you could make time for it. Um you know, roughly 758,000 different places that we could start with you, Stuart, because you're, you know, a man of uh, many different interests and you're doing a lot of different things within the industry. Uh, but I guess let's kind of roll all the way back. You know, is barbecue something in general that you have been around all your life? Is it something that you picked up a little bit later and then it developed into a passion? What's your entry road into the industry? Yeah, it, um, happened a little later in life for me. I um, actually went to school to be a, an engineer and started my career out in that direction. And um, and then I uh, got hooked up with uh, Cook Shack and fell in love with barbecue. And um, so it's been my passion ever since then. So for about 22 years now. Were you working as a uh, engineer and then uh, or did you hire on to Cook Shack with a with a like a as an engineer or like how did that whole relationship uh, formulate in the beginning? I actually um, I was uh, working for um, uh, Conoco at the time, uh, really for an engineering company that worked for Conoco. But that's what brought me to Ponca City, and that's where I met um, the people from Cook Shack at. 
um, had moved on from Conoco over to an engineering job with a little company that makes central vacuum cleaners and, and, um, met the, um, met the people that owned Cook Shack. They were looking for somebody to come in and manage it for them. And so we developed that relationship and so I actually came in as the general manager, um, like I say about 22 years ago. And it's been uh, pretty much love ever since, or, uh, you know, how, how have you experienced the, the highs and the lows uh, with Cook Shack over the past uh, 20 plus years? You know, I have to say that there's really not been very many lows. It's, uh, it's been a great, great, great time. Um, you know, I, I started there just about when, you know, the barbecue world really started to take off. And um, so we've seen sales growth every year that I've been there, and that always makes things easier to manage. Um, and, um, you know, we've been able to develop some great relationships during those, those years and develop some, I think, unique products that kind of set us apart in the industry. And, and, um, so it's been, it's been great. You know, I, um, I've, I've really no complaints in life. Stuart Powell joining me here on the show, uh, from Cook Shack, the website, of course, cookshack.com. If you want to check it out while we're talking here tonight, uh, Stuart, if I could, you know, I, I think at least uh, there's a, probably a good portion of the listening audience here, uh, or as I call them, the centralites, that are into the, the barbecue competition scene. And they know Cook Shack is, is pretty much hand-in-hand hand, uh, with the FE Cooker, the FE100, and then, of course, they go bigger from there. But typically on the competition scene, you see the FE100, and it's been doing well for years, uh, winning a lot of people categories, winning a lot of people championships. But you know, there's a whole other segment, uh, or maybe even two, to what Cook Shack has to offer. And I guess the way that I came to know Cook Shack with my beginnings into the barbecue industry is the fact that, oh, hey, you only make, like, the best electric cookers out there on the face of the planet, right? Absolutely. You know, there um, there's a guy named Doug Hall that has a little company called Eureka Ranch. And, and um, one day Doug was sitting down talking to me, brainstorming new ideas because that's what he does for companies. And and um, he said to me, he said, so um, he said, what um, is the difference between these electric smokers and these pellet ones? And I said, well, you know, the electric ones just make things that much easier for you. And he goes, well, why can't you use it on the cook-off circuit? I said, but because it makes it too easy. <laughs> and, and, you know, that's really the... Kind of the the deal is the electric smokers has been where Cook Shack started. We um, were uh, founded back in 1963. So, um, you know, Gene Ellis had a passion for barbecue, and, and he made the first electric Cook Shack. And, you know, it's it's just gone great from there. And, um, you know, that that business has always been our core business and, and continues to be, even though um, we love the Fast Eddie's line and, my daughter and I actually cook out on the circus as a competition team, and um, so you know we, we we love all sides of the business. But that electric smoker was where we started, and you know still continues to dominate our business. Stuart Powell is my guest. Uh, Stuart, my dad actually owns a, a smokette, and it's easily his favorite cooker that he has. And you know, for the people that look at buying a cooker, and maybe they have decided that electric is going to be the way that they're going to pursue things, you know, convenience, ease, you know, whatever you want to call it, but it's their money. They can spend it however they want. When you go into the big box stores or if you go into a hardware store and you see some of those, uh, I guess, competitors to yours only in the fact that they're electric, 
How do you go about uh, telling people how the smoke differs or your electric versions differ from, you know, some of those other, um, you know, $70, $80, models that are out there that they can buy? Sure. Well, I always tell people those those other brands make the best customers for us. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you know, and, and really where we differ is we're, we're made here in the United States, and so the craftsmanship is incredible. You know, every unit... You know, I, I, you know, it's hard to say handmade, but I mean, every unit is touched by, you know, Oklahoma employees that put a lot of pride into what they do. And, um, and so we make a real quality product and, you know, the big difference is that we're, we're a hundred percent insulated. So, um, you know, we keep the heat inside while you're cooking. And then we believe that temperature control has a huge portion to play in that. And so we've worked really hard you know, in the last few years to get that temperature control really down well. And, you know, the stuff that you buy at the big box store typically has big temperature swings and, and, um, and you see that in your food, not that you can't make good food in them, but, um, it just makes it that much more difficult. And our idea is to make it as easy as possible for the customer to cook, you know, championship barbecue. So for the folks that might be listening live here tonight or are streaming podcast after the fact, and they don't have access to, the internet at this point, can you kind of at least verbally paint a picture of the electric models that you have and, and maybe some uh, capacity uh, and uh, price points? Sure. Um, I mean, we started out with the smoke hit and, um, you know, the price point on it's about, um, about $650. And um, I always tell people a good way to think of the capacity of it, it holds a, a good size turkey, it'll hold a 20, 20 pound turkey. So that's kind of, you know, the size. Everything we make kind of looks like um, a stainless steel box. Um, so, you know, the, um, the our most popular model is our Model 25, which um, retails at about um, $850. And, you know, it's a 14 by 18 um, rectangular box that is fully insulated, fully stainless steel. Um, you know, when you walk up and you and you kick it, you know you've kicked something. It's going to weigh <laughs> close to 100 pounds, and and um, you know, really gives you the um, the solid, you know, piece of uh, cooking appliance that you want to set out on your deck and it's going to be there forever. So people might be thinking, okay, well, uh, keeping temperature sounds great, but how am I adding? Uh, smoke flavor when I'm thinking about barbecue and, you know, inherently you got to be thinking about some type of way to, to get smoke on the meat. Uh, how does the, the cook shack go about getting smoke into the meat? Right. So we have a, we have a wood box down um, in the bottom that is surrounded by our electric heating element. And um, we take that piece of wood, we put it in that wood box and we, um, we smolder it with the heating element that's cooking the food, which is kind of unique. Um, some of the um, some of the other electric cookers out there you'll see have separate heating elements that actually smolder the wood. And because we do ours with the element that is cooking the meat, it means that you get smoke for a longer period of time. So if you put a chunk of wood in there, you'll get good smoke Um coming into the unit for about six hours, which, um, you know, if you know much about barbecue means you're going to seal up the outside of that meat and that time frame is probably not going to take much more smoke after that. And so, um, so you really, 
you know, during that cooking process, when you can get flavor into that food, you're really able to put it in there. And because of the fact that we move very small amounts of air through it, so we have a half-inch hole in the bottom and a half-inch hole in the top of the cabinet, uh, that's the only air we move through it. And because we're moving that small amount of air, you can really get as much smoke flavor as you want. I mean, um, you can, I always tell people you can over smoke with them. Um, the first, the first time I ever cooked a beef brisket and my smoke in, I, um, you know, didn't listen to what anybody had to say. And I filled it completely full of wood, the wood box completely full of wood, put one brisket in there and the dog wouldn't eat it, you know? <laughs> so. So you can definitely oversmoke with them. You can get as much flavor as you want. And we're talking about uh, wood chunks versus using uh, pellets or, or like sticks, or can you use a uh, combination or what's recommended, I guess? You know, you can really use anything you want. As a matter of fact, one of the things I like about the electric smoker is to be able to get a variety of flavors. Um, one of my favorite um, things to cook is, um, is prime rib. And you put a prime rib in there and take fresh twigs of rosemary and put it in the wood box, oh. and you'll have the best prime rib you've ever had. So, you know, it gives you a lot of variety of things that you can that you can use. I mean, typically when I'm doing barbecue stuff, I'm going to use chunks of wood. But, um, you know, I may smoke some tomatoes to puree into a salsa. I'm just going to use a, you know, few hickory pellets um, to get my smoke flavor out of Stuart Powell joining me here on the show. Again, the website, if you want to follow along while we're talking tonight, cookshack.com. For these electric smokers, look, everybody knows when you're in barbecue, uh, not only are the cookers are important, but accessories uh, might even be more important than the cookers when it's all said and done. Uh, what kind of accessories come along with these or, or options that you have? Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, you know, we've, we've got a couple of unique things that I, that I really like. Um, of course, we have the traditional stuff, things like rip racks, seafood grills that, you know, you can get as extras. Um, I like things like jerky rods because you can um, do great jerky in a smoker. Um, and one of my favorite things, and I was just, just doing some of this uh, a couple of days ago, um, is a cold smoke baffle. So we can put a baffle in the um, in place of the bottom grate, and we can cold smoke. And um, uh, we were actually doing some cheese the other day and um, some lock-style salmon. So it really gives you a lot of variety of things that you can do all right uh, what other like a uh, new products maybe have you introduced uh recently or is there you know like some some big things that you have in the works for uh, people that might be ready to dole out some dollars that they might be able to look forward to <laughs> sure absolutely you know the the probably the most recent thing that we've launched is our line of pellet grills um which you know kind of fit under the fast eddies um line of things that we do um, but we now have, um, two pellet grills. So, um, and, and we went through a process of designing a, a pellet grill that's patentable. Um, it's a little different than what you really find out there on the market. Um, and they have a section that you can direct grill. So, you know, one of the real complaints about pellet grills is, is that you really can't sear meat on them. Well, the, um, the PG 500 and the PG 1000, you can sear a steak you know, just perfect. I uh, like to cook mine, you know, pretty rare. And I'm, I'm on the direct side cooking right over the fire. Um, one each steak about two minutes on each side. And, and um, you know, I think I've got a perfect steak. Um, and so that really gives you, you know, some versatility. Plus then it has an offset cooking side 
that you're cooking, you know, that you're really smoking food and you're getting that uh, kind of flavor out of. And, um, so we're real excited to have pellet grills as, um, as part of, you know, our line of cooking appliances. We do, we, um, you know, we came out with those just about a year ago now. And so, um, really happy with those. We're talking with Stuart Powell from Cook Shack. Stuart, you know, the other side of this, and you've alluded to it a couple times here while I've been talking, is uh, the competition barbecue side of things. And, you know, I said you're out there with your daughter uh, as, a, as a competition team. When did you kind of jump into that area? And was that something where it was like, hey, we're doing this for the business. I want to get out there and, and have it be like in the face of everybody, potential consumers? Or was it just something that you wanted to do and the fact that you were with Cook Shack was secondary? No, it really came about because I was with Cook Shack. Um, I, even though as I'd gotten to where I was doing more and more, um, you know, kind of consulting kind of work with some of the chains that we were dealing with, it was kind of, you know, I kind of got that bug to go out there and cook. And um, actually back, it's the first time that I met um, Fast Eddie. Um, he was doing a thing called the American Barbecue Association. And um, a guy named Russ Garrett cooks under smoking oaky. Him and I went down and cooked Eddie's first, you know, world championship for the ABA. And because um, he'd let you use an electric smoker. And um, that was uh, our first kind of, you know, into the competition world. And I really got the bug when I did that. And, um, and so it wasn't long that we were, we were out there competing. How many events are you looking to get in during the course of the year? Is it just when it fits into the schedule, or do you try and hammer out a season ahead of time and then take it from there? I, we typically try to hammer out a season ahead of time. We we try to cook about 12 events. Um, failed, failed this year because uh, my daughter, who, like I said, is my cooking partner, decided to get married for some reason. So, <laughs> you know, that kind of kind of slowed me, slowed us down a little bit this summer. I think we got eight events done this summer. So, but I'm looking looking forward to doing about 12 next year. You know, I mean, you've been around this competition scene in some form or fashion for a good while now, and you know a lot of the uh, top pit masters in the industry. At this stage of the game, with pellet cookers, with the uh, automatic pit temperature control devices that are out there, is there any reason or do you foresee a day maybe in the near future where you know the old guard might fall to the wayside and let electric cookers and maybe even gas cookers into the competition scene? You know, I don't, I don't really see it happening, even though I keep thinking that someday it will. Um, I mean, there's enough of the old guard, I think, out there that's going to keep hammering away at, um, you know, trying to keep that from happening, even though I, I don't see any, you know, to me, it makes no sense whatsoever. I mean, you're allowing basically all the temperature control you can get out there. So, you know, why not, um, you know, why not let, let, let everybody play, but, um, you know, I, I don't see it. I don't really see it happening in the near future. You know, you're a businessman as well. So, you know, if that happens, don't you foresee a, a potential influx of a competitors, uh, but B and perhaps more importantly, a sponsorship, uh, growing purses, things that are going to uh, kind of uh, foster the sport and continue its growth. You know, I, I don't know. I, I, I think in some ways, yes. I think that, um, you know, it would help the it would help the whole um, competition world in the fact that it would allow more people into it at you know maybe a little more economical um, 
price point and allow, you know, more of the kind of backyard guy um, cook. And I, I tend to be more of one of these guys that thinks that what ought to go on is that the at the competitions is that promote more of the backyard kind of thing, you know, and get local cooks to come in and, and, you know, cook maybe two categories or something and let them cook on anything they want to and, and promote barbecue from that standpoint. I think you would get, I think you would see a lot of people kind of jump into it at that. Um, you know, it's a, it's a tough sport, um, to go out there and, and, um, you know, jump in the middle of and win. Um, so I think that, um, you know, there, there, it'd be tough to get, you know, just a huge influx just because you allowed, um, an easier cooker into the marketplace. Stuart, just a minute or two here left before I turn you loose, and I appreciate the time tonight. Uh, obviously, uh, World Food Championships, that's going to be uh, you know huge deal coming this weekend. You're going to be uh, taking part of it. Are you competing? Uh, are you going to be uh, showcasing? What's the, the plan there? No. Yeah, we're, we're showcasing. We're one of the sponsors this year. Um, you know, last year we kind of we kind of missed the boat and didn't didn't realize you know exactly what all was going on out there. And and um, two of uh, two guys that cook on our equipment won won the grand and the reserve grand out there last year. And and so we we, we kind of woke up and said, wow, maybe it's something we should be involved in. And so we're going out. We'll have a booth out there and um, hopefully get to meet a lot of people and um, you know get go out and and um had some great cooks on the back because they're we, we've got a handful of quite actually quite a few customers out there cooking in the event so it'll, it ought to be a great time you know mike mcleod has really put together what a lot of people think is uh, the coup de gras of not only the barbecue aspect in competition but you have you know cookbook authors and people that just make recipes and people that just make burgers it's really kind of a, a, a marvelous thing that he's put together, and it's uh, really grown just leaps and bounds from uh, a 12-month time frame. I mean, what's your take on the whole World Food Championship deal? Yeah, I think it's a really neat deal because it, it drives more than just barbecue. You know, I mean, there, there's so much going on out there. Um, you know, I think it's it's a great atmosphere, and, and I think he's put a really neat event together and um and doing some things other than just barbecue and i think you know the guys that on the barbecue circuit that are in it if they um you know if they're in the top 10 teams the second round of that they've got to cook something that's not a traditional thing for them to cook and i think that's that makes things really interesting um i think it's fun to go out there and and you know see some real trained chefs um competing against um you know, guys that cook every weekend that know everything there is to know about barbecue. Stuart Powell with Cook Shack. You can find it at cookshack.com. And if you're going to be in the Vegas area this weekend, uh, why don't you stop by the Cook Shack booth, say hi to Stuart and everybody that's out there repping uh, the good products that Cook Shack makes. Uh, Stuart, really appreciate the time tonight. Uh, far too long to uh, sit down the first time, so let's not wait so long again the second time. All right, great. We appreciate it, Greg, and look forward to talking to you next time. All right, there he is, Stuart Powell, ladies and gentlemen. Cookshack.com is the website. And uh, really, if you think about it, then you should think about it. I'm going to be really rude here. You know, I'm in the middle of cooking. Or cooking. Oh, jeez. Oh. Oh, I don't know if we have microwavable popcorn. I don't know. Get that big stuff out of here.
I was going to say, you know, the, the, the pisser of this whole week is the fact that uh, after tonight's show, close it down! Let's go home! This studio network is gonzo. We're going to be uh, going to Barbecue Central Radio Network Studio Temporary, and then at some point, maybe before the end of the year, we'll be going to Barbecue Central Network Studios' new home, all the way over in Wycliffe, one one street over. You know the idiot that moved one street over? I'm that guy. I hate it here. I'm moving across the street, and you can't stop me. Sometimes you got to do things the right way. All right, uh, hold on one second. Stand by. I'll be right back. All right, sorry about that. I had to get some water. It's going parched. Aside from moving out of the house, you have no nothing in the damn house. Get that big stuff out of here. <laughs> you know, for the people that have moved, you ever live somewhere for 12 or 13 years and realize that you have amassed the biggest load of crap ever? Jeez, oh, Pete. Can we just... Forget the moving truck, sir. Can you back the dump truck up so we can offload the Krizap? Is that possible? Man, oh, man. Can only make... Okay, so anyway. Thanks to Stuart Powell for coming on. And uh, the bottom line is this. If you are... I don't know if there's a lot of people in the market. Well, look. uh, You know, people in the chat room, the... The hardcores, the intermediates, you know, they might not be looking for an electric cooker. Uh, That's completely your prerogative. If you're looking to spend dollars and you don't want to mess around or purchase an electric cooker, that's fine. But to a large portion of the consuming public, and I would imagine, uh, you know, you get 50,000 plus downloads here of this show each and every month. There's got to be a large portion of the download audience that would prefer to uh, use electric as well. Maybe they can't have a live fire because they're in a uh, high rise or apartment building or they live in France or I don't know, whatever. And you can't have live fire. And so you can opt for electric. Now, the good news is this, and an unpaid solicitation testimonial. Literally, I think my dad has the Smokehead, I don't know if it's the 25, um, I want to say it had like four racks in it or something like that. Uh, maybe it was the 66. And this thing is absolutely fabulous, and he tricked it up a little bit, he, my dad, tricked it up a little bit with uh, a cart, so it raises it up. You know, you don't have to put it on a table or anything. I mean, they're not overly tall, these things. But he has this cart. You can put it up on the cart. And now it's, you know, right at, uh, you know, waist 
level for your bottom rack, you know, all the way up so you're looking at it in the face. And plenty of room for everything. We've cooked pork butts and briskets on that thing at the same time, uh, multiple racks of ribs. And Stuart alluded to it in the conversation, but holy crap, folks. Do you like beef jerky? Get your eye of round ready. Get the jerky accessories and the cook smokehead. Gang is simply the best jerky cooker on the face of the earth, and I am saying that with 100% assurity because I've had 10 or 50 or 700 pounds of beef jerky compliments of Sarasota, Florida which is where my dad lives. And, uh, you know, they got into that whole craze. And if you can ever find a- anybody that gets into the a beef jerky craze, you're the one that benefits from it the most. Let's not fool anybody. They get all the kudos and congratulations and all that stuff, and they're spending all the money on the products and the, and the cure, and you get to take the time, and they put on seasoning. Great for you. Better for me because now you've made a whole bunch and you want to send it off, and I am always happy. to. Hey, quick notice. Does anybody out there make their own beef jerky that they want me to sample? I'm here for you, folks. Your beef jerky sampler and reviewer extraordinaire. Just regular beef jerky. I don't like any of that citrus-flavored crap or the oriental stuff, uh, teriyaki jerky or anything. I've seen some weird flavors of jerky. No turkey jerky, no deer jerky with the, you know, the, the, the testicles or the, the innards or whatever it is. I don't want any of that. What the hell? Something just popped. What the hell just popped? That was craziness. Something just popped on my board. Everybody hear me. Everybody hear me? All right. Um, we got Ray Lampy coming up. Luckily, I can turn my microphone off for that one. That was rough. Uh, Ray Lampy coming up out of the break. If uh, you, not you, you, you two, you've uh, wanted to get in front of a target market of barbecue and grilling folks who are interested in barbecue and grilling stuff. This might be a show you would want to consider uh, potentially advertising on. If you're interested, drop me a line. Greg at the BBQ Central Show.com. That's Greg at the BBQ Central Show.com. Uh, drop me a line. Let me know you're interested. I can give you a package. We can talk about customizing something. Maybe you want to sponsor the uh, Ask Dr. Barbecue site. Everybody's listening to it hand over fist. We can work something out. Well, not for everybody. But most everybody. Uh, or maybe you want to sponsor the show. Maybe you want to sponsor the uh, call-in line. Flash a graphic that says all guests appear via blah, blah, blah service or blah, blah, blah product. Visit blah, blah, blah website for more detail. We can trick it up however you like. You want to partner with me? Uh, you know, I wasn't really looking to get sponsors for the second hour, but, you know, I'm open to it. Who am I to say no to money? Not me. It's above board, folks. It's not just everybody. So don't just think you can throw your hat and throw bags of cash at me and I'm going to let you on. Not that easy. It's not that easy. All right. Uh, let's dial up the good doctor for Ask Dr. Barbecue. New intro coming up. Stick around. We'll be right back.
Broadcasting live from the Barbecue Central Radio Network Studios in Cleveland, Ohio. You're listening to the Barbecue Central Radio Show. Once again, here's your host, Greg Rampey. All right, we are back. Eight seven seven four four eight zero four three three. Greg at the BBQ Central Show dot com. Uh, thanks again to Stuart Powell from Cook Shack joining me this past segment, talking about the uh, his history with the company and uh, how it has grown over the years. And uh, of course, he is competing on the scene. He'll be at the World Food Championships uh, this coming weekend, exhibiting. So if you're uh, interested in seeing some of those products, make sure that you uh, see him. And uh, let's go ahead and uh, give this deal a shot. That's uh, Ask Dr. Barbecue. If you got questions about barbecue or grilling, maybe as a hobby or even a business, looking to get an expert's point of view, why not Ask Dr. Barbecue? You can submit your questions by clicking on the Ask Dr. Barbecue tab on the website. The doctor is in. Here's Ray Lampy with his nurse, Greg Rempe. Dr. Barbecue. And, of course, that means it is time for uh, Ray Lampy, Dr. Barbecue. Ray, how are you tonight, buddy? Good, Greg. How are you doing? Doing absolutely fabulous, and uh, appreciate you uh, taking some time out tonight. Now, Ray, I know it's a huge night for you. Your beloved Bears are playing no less the Packers. So before we get into the barbecue talk, uh, does Ray Lampy, NFL expert, have any type of handicapping for us? Uh, Bears, 86-2. to 86-2. to two. Oh, watch out. So you're saying there's going to be a safety somewhere. We're going to see a safety. Yeah. Yeah, just for for kicks, you know. That, that's the old uh, the Bears joke. Yeah, why not? Uh, Got to love a safety. I mean, you know, my favorite play in football, I think, is the safety. Uh, so, you know, whether it's against my team, which, of course, I would hate, um, I, I don't know. I've always been a big fan of the safety, and it's very exciting for me. I don't know why. Oh, it is an exciting play, no doubt. But, yeah, man, Bears-Packer game, it's like, you know, it, this is the oldest rivalry in the NFL. These guys invented it, man, you know, and the hatred has been there forever. I always remember when the Bears signed Ditka, uh, Forrest Gregg, who was an old Packer, was coaching the Packers, and they hated each other. I mean, it was no secret at all. They they basically, you know, just flat didn't like each other forever, and they probably don't like each other now. Ray Lampy joining me here on the show. Uh, ask Dr. or DR, AskDRBBQ.com is the website you can go to if you want to submit questions for this segment that we do each and every week. Uh, you can also visit Ray on his own website, DRBBQ.com. Uh, Ray, before we get into the questions tonight, obviously, big weekend coming up, well, I guess on many fronts, but the biggest one, uh, I guess, by all accounts, would be the World Food Championships, obviously something you're going to be taking part in as well. Uh, so I guess uh, twofold, uh, what are you going to be doing there? And in general terms, uh, how big of a deal is the World Food Championships, uh, not only in the barbecue market, but just in the food market in general? Well, I think it's 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 big already, and it's going to be huge. I really believe this. Last year when I first heard about it, I, I sort of reached out to the guys at Tribe. And I've done some work with them before, but I told them I wanted to be part of it. And last year was the first year. And it has come so far. The second one hasn't even happened. It's amazing how far this has come. I mean, the people that are coming, the interest in the thing, how organized it is. I can't wait. I'm really looking forward to it. I, I was a big fan before it ever happened. I can't believe how far this thing has come. And they're going to shoot a TV show there this year. 
I, I can't believe how big it's come in, frankly, one year. I think Mike McLeod really had a, a vision of, of how he was looking. You know, I had talked with him off air about, uh, you know, things regarding this show, and he said, look, uh, and I think he took, you know, he, well, he had obviously a plan when he was telling me about it, but he said, look, you got to diversify. You know, we are with KCBS, we are with Barbecue, but in the bigger picture, you know, you don't really want to exclude a lot of people. And I think with how he has uh, chefs and people that make recipes and people that make winning hamburgers and, you know, all this other stuff, a chili, and it's all inclusive. And, oh, by the way, if you make it all the way through to the end, all these different people are going to be going against each other to see who comes out and reigns supreme. I mean, it's it's real. I'm not kissing his ass, but, I mean, it's really a great idea and concept and what has turned into a really big deal, just one contest in. Yeah, I think Mike and his people have had the contacts, and, and, but, you know, they deliver for these people, um, you know, the Sam's Club Tour and, and all that stuff that they've done. It's all good stuff. They're delivering for these partners, so the partners are listening to them. And frankly, I think it was just flat a great idea, like you said, that we would have all this. The final table is a plate of barbecue, a bowl of chili, a burger, a sandwich. I mean, it's just a really great idea. But what I'm seeing happen, you know, barbecue and chili exist, okay? Those circuits exist. The yep. people exist. We know who they are. That's fine. It's, it's a nice part of it. But there is no circuit for burger cooking. There's no circuit for the bacon world championship. There's no circuit for sandwich. But you know what? I think there's going to be. And, and the other thing that I've seen is uh, Beth Peterson, who I'm doing all these things with uh, the Cook Up Before Kickoff tour right now for Tribe. Beth is one of these girls that enters recipe contests around the country. Well, she has a bunch of friends, and they are so excited about this thing because they have never had a place to go where they can all come and, and be there and be part of it. I mean, you're just seeing layer after layer, and now we've got uh, some impressive uh, celebrities coming that just heard about it, frankly, and, and you know nobody's getting paid a pile of money for coming. Um, and I think what you're going to see, I think you're going to see Burger Circuit grow into something to feed it. I, the sandwich world, the recipe thing is going to get bigger. And I think you're going to see a bunch of food celebs coming just for fun. If you ever go to South Beach Food and Wine Festival or New York, or th there's a whole lot of food uh, celebrities there just for the fun of it and the party. And, and I'm one of them, and I'm happy to go. And this is going to turn into that. I really believe it. When you have the potential of all of these different circuits, you know, as you said, possibly fostering some um, some uh, interest and in, in maybe growing into their respective circuits, do you see it cutting in at all on a uh, on a barbecue scene where you know you have um, you know, for instance, that uh, that lady that uh, Aaron Evanson that won the Build a Better Burger contest? I think it was like middle of July. Uh, now, Sutter Home sponsored it, and obviously that's a, a wine, um, a, a vintner, and they have deep pockets. But she won $100,000 for a hamburger. It wasn't like the purse, the overall purse was $100,000. She banked hundred grand. Do you see some of these other potential circuits growing up and having bigger purses than barbecue? That's my biggest bitch about competition barbecue is, as a cook, nobody knows better than you, right? You invest a lot of money for some pretty shit in return. Yeah, you know, I was I was at uh I was in Alabama this weekend actually talking to Don McLemore who is uh Yeah, yeah. Big Bob Gibson's. The, the Big Bob Gibson's the heir, you know, the the guy that actually has been running it for 30 years. Uh and we were talking about I first time I met those guys, Don was at 
uh, a cook-off in in can or in uh, Nashville called Nashville Shores. Arlie Bragg put it on. I don't know when it was. Probably the mid '90s. Probably '95. And it was on Easter weekend, but the purse was $10,000. And that was a big deal back then. So, you know, we've seen it grow to where it is now, but I don't think we've seen the end of it. However, I, I think it's two things. I think it, you know, okay, there's $300,000 at the World Food Championship and the barbecue only gets about 50 of it. Um, but I, I think that purse will be a million dollars within a few years and barbecue will be you know, a quarter of that. I think it will, you know what I mean? I think it's going to help it. Uh, something like this, a little bit of competition for the barbecue world. And frankly, instead of just a bunch of guys that look like me out there, you know, in overalls, the recipe people, they don't look like us. <laughs> They're cute, man. They're, you know, it's a bunch of young women that are looking good. The, a lot of interesting chefs and, and guys that can fly in, you know, the, the guys in Burger were a really interesting crowd last year. It was guys that run burger joints and food trucks and stuff. Well, they could fly to Las Vegas and, you know, figure out a way to get what they needed and compete. They didn't have to bring trailers full of stuff. So I think it complements it. I think that's really going to be the ultimate answer. I think the combination of all these together is going to be good for everybody. We're talking with Ray Lampy for his weekly Ask Dr. Barbecue segment, drbbq.com, or if you want to submit a question, ask dr bbq.com you can email it over to me uh, or ray and we'll answer it here on the show uh, so uh, all things considered ray very excited for world food championships i am ascertaining i really am and i'm just going to judge really and just kind of schmooze around and uh oh i'll jump in you know i i, I think the world of the people there mike mcleod and his team and i'll help them any way i can and they know it that's part of the reason i'm going early uh but at this point i'm just judging on saturday and that's fine but it's going to be fun because this year it's downtown too so it's going to be a lot more sort of neighborhoody you know everybody's staying in them hotels right there on fremont street and i think it's gonna i i just can't wait yeah i'm really excited about it all right so uh it's called ask dr barbecue for a reason so let's go ahead and get into some questions <laughs> uh this one comes from tim in kentucky and uh, this will probably be the only uh, competition related uh, question tonight uh, and I've been getting this one probably, well, quite a bit over the last uh, month or so, and I've asked a couple people, some pitmasters about it, I'd like to get your take. When should a team go from backyard to pro circuit? And I guess for the people that don't know, uh, you know, the guys that I have on my show on Tuesdays, uh, these guys are, not all of them, but, you know, a lot of them are doing 20, 30-plus contests a year. They're uh, trying to get accolades for team of the year or winning certain meat categories but you know before they do that uh, there is an option of you know like a triple a or a double a league which they call the backyard and uh, that seems to be pretty popular as well from what i can ascertain so how does a team know to go from you know the minor leagues to the pro circuit because it's not like somebody's calling you up out of the bullpen or you know a team is calling you up to the major leagues from triple uh, a that's going to be your own call well you know Anywhere I've ever lived, there's no such thing. I don't really understand. This This comes up a lot. A lot of people want to talk about it, and I, I hear about guys turning pro, but I don't understand it. The backyard, I mean, it's just like the, the small dick circuit. They, they still pay entry fees. They still have prize money. They cook the same thing. It's just for the guys who don't have big enough nads to go cook with the real guys. I, I don't get it. Um, and most, I know a whole bunch of guys that never bothered with that. And there's no organized circuit for it. It's just independent contests. Uh, I mean, that's fine. If you're, it, you know, it used to be local in, in Lakeland, Florida, where I used to live. It's a great backyard contest. It was, it's as big as the real contest. 
but it's for the local guys that don't really want to compete with us. They don't have to. They don't need to. It's just local guys. They cook in one contest a year. Maybe they drive over to Plant City and cook in that one. There's no circuit like minor league circuit. If you're traveling around with a trailer full of equipment and, and beating up on the local guys, I'm sorry, you shouldn't be doing that. So I'd say if you're if you're taking this on as a serious hobby, just start cooking in uh, the KCBS or MBNA contest. Or there's a lot more regional circuits now that I, I don't, but I don't think any of the regional circuits consider themselves to be uh, minor leagues. You know, they're just just localized. So I'd say that, that doesn't even exist in my. Should the should the descriptor professional circuit just be dropped from the lexicon altogether? Well, I think it is. It, you know, KCBS doesn't use that. Honestly, when I started KCBS in 1991, there actually was two two criteria. There was, um, I think it was backyard and pro. They It never really got defined because it was so new. It had to do with restaurants, I think, or something at the time. Um, but, I mean, I, this is just kind of something that floats around on the Internet as best as I can tell. There's no, again, to me, pro is if you're paying an entry fee and there's prize money, How's that not professional? Well, to me, if you're paying, it's not professional. Somebody should be paying you, right? I mean, I'm a professional because people pay well, me to yeah. do the show. Yeah, but, you know, you, you talk to an IndyCar driver, they actually pay an entry fee or, you know, a Daytona 500. Those guys actually have to pay an entry fee to enter that, but they can walk away with a whole lot of money, and, of course, they have sponsors that pay it. Um, but, again, you know, if they want a backyard contest, to me, should be, there's no prize money. I don't understand how it, it, there's prize money in a minor league. I, I don't know. I, I just don't see the whole thing. I don't. I don't think it would be a bad idea. I'm really surprised KCBS has never actually done it. Uh, had a created some sort of minor league thing. But in my mind, it needs to be ribs and chicken or something like that. It can't yeah. be. You know, you go to Huntsville, Alabama. We used to go down there, and uh, there was a big backyard event, but you couldn't tell the difference. It looked just like the regular contest. Again, it's for the guys with small gonads. All right, uh, so this is what we learned. Tim, sack up, grow a pair of testicles, squeeze between your legs. If it hurts, be a man. Get on the pro circuit. <laughs> and we appreciate you writing it. It really is how I feel, though. Just go for it. What are you doing? You know, just start cooking with the big boys. That's right. Uh, all right, next question is from Alan in Utah. And he asks about tips for cooking prime rib on the big green egg and not screwing it up. And, you know, I think that, look, uh, I, I think turkey gets over-analyzed um, and, and over-fretted on way too much. Not when it comes to prime rib. I mean, this is, you know, especially if you get like a seven, uh, I almost said seven boner. That almost sounded weird. Oh, wait, I did. If you get a seven bone, I mean, you're looking into the $200, $250 range. It's something you don't want to screw up for sure. Yeah, definitely. Well, like so many things, it's about getting it cooked just right. You know, uh, if you overcook it, man, you have screwed up in my world. Unfortunately, you got the seven boner and you got a bunch of people. Some like it rare, some like it well, some like it in between. It's kind of hard. Um, if you re really, I would never cook a whole one because for a couple of reasons. For one, it's going to be hard to get something to cook evenly. Anytime you're going to cook something, you, the goal is to cook it evenly. Now, forget barbecue. Barbecue, we're going to cook forever, cook it to 200 degrees. But when you're talking about a roast or something that you want to cook, 
properly to the right temperature all the way across, like a, a chicken breast is a good example. When you get one that's big, thick on one end and skinny on the other, you pound it out because you want it to cook evenly. So the big whole roast to me is, is a problem to cook evenly. But there's another reason. I want to be able to serve some of it medium and some of it rare. And so that way I can cheat a little bit and have one more for the well-done people and one for the more rare people. Cook the whole thing, just cut it in half. And there's always people that like the end cuts as well. So for one, I wouldn't cook the thing whole. It's, it looks pretty, but it doesn't cook properly. Now, how to get it done just right? This is, it, it really isn't, it's, 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 as many times I get mad at guys because they want to make everything an engineering project, but <laughs> cooking a prime rib kind of is. Uh, for me, I will take it out of the fridge. Try not, I don't like cooking them with the bone on. I like eating it with the bone on, but it just doesn't cook properly. Uh, you can do it if you want, but if you're going to cook it with the bone on, for sure, get it cut away and then tied back on. It'll make it easy to carve, and you just want the rib bones on there. You don't want that other bone either. And then let it warm up. Let it sit on the counter for an hour before you put it on, because you want those. The problem is it won't cook even, same, same thing. You want it to cook even. Buy that bone. It won't cook even if you don't let it warm up for an hour. Put it out on the counter. Uh, there's an old Mike Scrutchfield recipe, one of the pioneers of the KCBS circuit. Mike was the first guy that ever decided, instead of just turning some barbecue in, I'm going to try and manipulate the judges, and he was good at it uh, with flavors and presentations and stuff. We were just putting it in the box back then, and Mike started making these fancy presentations and kicking our asses. Anyway, Mike, the, the old recipe was pretty simple. Uh, rub the thing down with Worcestershire sauce and put Montreal steak seasoning on it, and maybe a little bit extra black pepper for me. And put, just put a nice coat of that on there. It's kind of fun because it'll give it a nice color. The, the Montreal steak seasoning looks really good on there. Mm. And let, do that maybe 15 minutes before you're going to cook it. And I cook it just like in the oven. I would have my egg going with the plate setter indirect at 325. And I would put the prime rib right on the cooking grate. Don't put it in a pan. Don't put it in a, on a rack. You don't need to do that. Just put it right on the cooking grate and stick a... Well, I don't actually stick a thermometer in it. I'll cook it for a while. It's going to take about, oh, 15 minutes a pound, something like that. But you want to keep a really good eye on it. I'll use my thermopen, and I'm keeping an eye on it. Now, I'm just cooking it at, well, probably 350, because I want it to get a little crusty on the outside. But I'm not searing it and holding it and sous-viding it and putting it in the hot tub and any of that nonsense. I'm cooking it till it's 120 degrees. And I'm taking it off, and I'm letting it rest for 20 minutes, and I'm slicing it. That's it. It's that simple. Are you allotting for a certain amount of carryover during that hold? Like, are you looking to, to bump up five degrees or so, or just to let the juices yeah. redistribute? Yeah, it'll, it'll uh, well, both. It'll, it'll, and it's going to do a few things. It's going to carry over for sure, but it's also going to even out because the inside of it at 120 is pretty rare. But it, you got a lot of heat, and it's going to even out the, the whole surface of it. Should still be rare in the middle and well on the outside. Should look like a good prime rib. Carryover for sure. However, if I'm cooking at 350, I don't have that much carryover. Now, if you decide to cook it at, raise it up to 500 degrees at the end, thinking you're going to get it crusty, you're going to get more carryover. Um, if you want to smoke it, you won't get much carryover at all. But I wouldn't, I, I don't care for that. I like, I like to cook it just like it in the oven. I want it medium rare, and I want it a little bit crusty in the outside. Um, oh, the concept of somehow blistering the hell out of it and getting it all crunchy on the outside. Nice idea, but there's a good chance you're going to overcook it. Um, I don't see any reason to do that. I mean, so for me, cook it right just like in the oven, take it out at 120. Those and 120 dead smack in the middle. And I've let it warm up for an hour before I cooked it. 
120 dead smack in the middle, let it rest for 20 minutes, 30 even, and you will have medium to medium rare, and, and you'll have plenty of stuff on the outside that people want. As much as I like it rare, most people don't like it as rare as I do, and it's nice to have assortment. Ray Lampy in the middle of Ask Dr. Barbecue. It happens each and every hump day. Uh, drbbq.com is his website. Ask drbbq.com if you want to submit a question. Uh, next one in from Terry in Hollywood. He's, maybe he's a movie star or she. Uh, Ray, what are your favorite homemade rub recipes? You know, the, oh gosh, I mean, I make them. You know, I, I don't, <laughs> I don't know that I can't tell you the last time I've made someone else's. Um, I get a lot of. There's one on my website that was from my first book that people really seem to like. Um, I think it's called Big Time Barbecue Rub. Oh gosh, I, you know I'm working on a book. I just did like 20 for this book I'm working on. So, oh gosh, man, I, I don't have any real special ones. There's a chicken wing. A, the in my ribs, chopsticks, and wing book. There's a chicken wing rub that people really like. That one I think was probably one of my better efforts. But I just don't. You know, I like. Probably like a different rub every time I, I'd make one. You ever thought about uh, bottling a rub at some point? Yeah, man, I was in the business a million years ago. I was oh. one of the first you, guys. You're the smart guy that got out of it after all <laughs> 7 billion of them showed up. Well, it actually still exists, my rub. Uh, oh, man, a long time ago, probably most of 20 years ago, I... Uh, I was, I, it was kind of becoming a thing, and I wanted to try and figure out a way to make some money at it. And I ran across this company. I was buying this stuff from them, from a butcher shop. And I tracked down the company, and it was in the Illinois, right where I drove by in my truck every day. And I stopped in and talked to them, and I found out I could buy this stuff. It was a private label thing. It had a number, and I could buy it, and they would sell it to me uh, 10 cases at a time. And at the time, it was like 18 bucks a case, and I could buy, so for 180 bucks, I could buy a whole bunch of rub yeah. and they would put my label on it. So it was more trouble to get the labels than it was the rub. And they made it in these shakers and I sold it. It was bone smokers, big time barbecue rub. And I sold it for years. And then they, I really didn't want to do it. It's got a bunch of MSG in it. It's, it's like very much like a lot of the barbecue rubs that are popular right now, but I just didn't care that much about it because it wasn't really my product. And you know, it was, it, I would make a little money on it. It wasn't a big deal, but Mike from Hog Eyes, uh, Hog Eyes Barbecue, those guys have sold it forever, for years, and sold a lot of it. And then it, they quit having it in shakers available to me. And I said, well, what am I going to do? I'm not going to bother picking it home, putting it in my bathtub in the shakers. So I was going to quit selling it. And I could get it in 10-pound bags. And Mike said, well, let's just keep selling the 10-pound bags. And so we do, and it won't go away. It's the product that won't die. Now they, they upped it to 250-pound minimum. And we're like, what? oh, forget we we'll finally quit selling it. Well, we got enough calls from people that wanted it still. And um, so every now and then we'll get the 250-pound batch. And if you go to Hog Eyes, you, you, I don't think it's even on the website anymore. You have to actually call Brett if you want to buy a box. Call but it. it still exists. So I've been in the business. Uh, I'm out of the business except for that one product that won't die. Oh, I don't know. I, I, I'm, I'm actually thinking about it. I'm actually thinking about I've got an idea for a different way to do it. I don't want to just have one more barbecue rub. I had a barbecue sauce for a while, too, and I had a 13-pepper blend. Wow. Um, but it's it just you don't make a lot of money on that stuff unless you really devote your life to it or get lucky. Um, I had For me, I had better things to do. Yeah, me too. That's why I'm never getting into it. I'll just keep using the free stuff people send me. Thanks. Uh, right. Another question from Terry was, uh, do you make soup? And if so, what's your favorite soup recipe? I do, man. I don't know. This might be a loaded question. I consider myself a better soup cooker than a barbecue. Really? Cooker. Oh, I love making soup. Yeah. 
Um, there's a there's a recipe. It's a perfect opportunity to plug my new book. November 26th comes out pork chop. Oh, there's a copy around here somewhere. Uh, and it'll be out November 26th, and there's a recipe in there for pork chop and noodle soup. And I'm telling you, it's really good. There's a bunch of soup recipes in my NFL book, too. Uh, I think I'm a great soup cook. Yeah, I'm way into it. Now, probably the one I'm most famous for, my family, my grandma, you taught me how to make chicken and dumpling soup. Um, but I don't make that much anymore. But I, I make macaroni and cheese soup. That's a recipe out of the NFL book. I make a uh, crab, the world's greatest crab soup, named by me, but uh, and in the NFL book as well. So, yeah, I, I love making soup, and I think I'm a great soup cook. How difficult is the macaroni and cheese soup? That kind of resident. I'm a big mac and cheese guy on many different facets, so to hear a mac and cheese soup, uh, that kind of interests me. It's real simple, actually. I'll send you the recipe, and we can share it on the site or something. All right, uh, let's do that. Yeah. Uh, we're talking yeah. with uh, Ray Lampy, Dr. Barbecue, in his weekly Ask Dr. Barbecue segment. Uh, Ray, I know you're going to be uh, shuffling off to the World Food Championships. Anything uh, you want to plug up here before I turn you loose, or are you all good? I'm still doing cook-off before kickoff. Uh, if you go to cookoffbeforekickoff.com, all spelled out, you can enter and win it. If you have to, you have to enter a recipe. Enter a recipe there, and you can win a chance to come to Pasadena with us for the BCS championship game. Wow, that wouldn't suck. No, it'd be fun. Yeah, absolutely. You can hang out with me there. All right, uh, so Ray, next week, more questions, and then uh, hopefully a recap of the World Food Championships. Yeah, I'll tell you all about it next week, Greg. Look forward to it. All right, there he is, Ray Lampy, Dr. Barbecue. Joining me here on the show, ask Dr. BBQ, uh, askdrbbq.com is the official questions website, and uh, drbbq.com is uh, Ray's personal website, so uh, check that out if you are so inclined uh, to see what Ray is up to. All right, let's back out. Another successful Wednesday hump day. Hopefully you enjoyed the show last night, especially with that huge Kingsford Invitational panel. If the who's who is going to be there, except I didn't get, you know, some of them. But, you know, the ones that might have a really good shot uh, were on last night. Rod Gray, Darren Worth, Dan Hickson, Mark Lambert. Only some of the top teams in recent memory, teams of the year, teams that won the biggest events during the course of the year, so on and so forth tomorrow. Thanks to Stuart Powell from Cook Shack joining me tonight, cookshack.com. Check him out at the World Food Championships this coming weekend. He'll be exhibiting his wares. Check him out. Electric cookers. You might want to think about And uh, Ray Lampy, Dr. Barbecue, joining me for our weekly Ask Dr. Barbecue segment. Uh, we will be back next Tuesday somewhere in Wycliffe, Ohio. And... Uh, Until then, September 11th, 2001, I will never forget. We will see you back at 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time next Tuesday. This is your program host and proud U.S. American, Greg Rempe. Good night now.